Well, it's great to be with you this morning. I hope that you were looking forward to this morning as much as I have been. I just love coming to church with my church family and being able to worship together. If you look around and you think that our numbers are down a little bit this morning, you are right. Our numbers are down this morning. The good news is, is our northern New Mexico branch campus, the numbers are way up this morning. That's at Ponderosa Christian Camp. A bunch of our people are up there getting ready for the high school session uh, getting ready for a whole bunch of high schoolers to show up today to have an amazing week up there at camp. I'd like to ask you to be in prayer about that. Um, in, in many children's life, in many young people's life, there is nothing more important to their future walk with God than this week that they spend up at camp. So be in prayer about what's going to happen up there. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the The worship leaders, pray for the people who are in the kitchen, pray for the campers, the counselors, all the people who are going to be working so hard this week to make this week a a very great week and a very important step in the walk for many of these young people. So please add that to your prayer list. Uh, So I'm talking about prayers and prayer lists. I want you to know that we would like to pray for you. We are a praying church. We pray for things like camp, and we pray for loved ones, and we pray for needs of our members. We also want to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request that you'd like to bring to the attention of this church or just its eldership, reach in front of you and pull out one of these green cards, fill out your prayer request, and then drop it in one of the collection boxes, and we will honor your prayer request. You can find two collection boxes at the very back of the auditorium. You can find another one through these double doors. So please take advantage of that. I also want to give you a Project 9K update. Project 9K is our Bible reading challenge here at Netherwood Park Church of Christ. And we have a Bible reading challenge because we believe very strongly in the transforming power of God's Word. I was really struck as Doug got up here and he said as he was reading through Second Chronicles, he found this story about Hezekiah and the way that Hezekiah responded to God. And if we will immerse ourselves in God's word, we will find those kind of stories. We'll find those kind of events that will speak to us and that will transform the way that we walk with our God. Our Project 9K update is to date we've read 2,803 books of the Bible. So continue to read, continue to report your results. And if you're not involved in a regular Bible reading plan, won't you get involved now? It is vitally important to your walk, vitally important to your walk as a servant of Jesus Christ to be immersed in God's word. I also want you to know that we are a baptizing church. We believe in the power of baptism. We don't want anyone to leave here today not knowing that we believe that baptism is very important. In fact, we believe baptism is vital because we believe in baptism. We leave behind our old selves and we come out of the water clothed as new people, clothed with Jesus Christ. We believe that in baptism we participate in the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe that in baptism, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you are here today and you haven't been baptized, you really should be baptized. And we'd like to talk to you about that, answer any questions that you might have. And in order for us to have that conversation, we need to know that you want to have that conversation. So if you take this same green card, turn it over, and on the back you'll see that it says next steps. 
should fill out your contact information and check the box about having a conversation about baptism, one of us will contact you right away and we will start that conversation. So won't you do that today? Finally, we want you to know that we believe that there is power in the church. We believe that together we are much stronger than any of us are individually. We believe that when we come together, great things happen. We also believe that it's important that you identify yourself with a church, that you say that you want to be a part of this church to work alongside, to serve with the people here, and also to place yourself under the leadership of this eldership here. So if you've been attending Netherwood Park for a while and you haven't yet said, I want to be a part of this church, we want to encourage you to do that today as well. You can use that same green card, fill out your contact information, check the box that says, I'd like to talk to someone about being a member of Netherwood Park. Drop it in one of those collection boxes and we'll contact you right away to have that conversation about being a part of this church. And speaking of this church, I want to take just a minute to brag on this church. I had some relatives who were in town last week. They worshiped with us, and afterwards they just couldn't stop talking about you guys. They couldn't stop talking about how warm and welcoming you were. They couldn't stop talking about how energetic you were. They couldn't stop talking about what a great church this is. They wanted to give me some credit, but I don't deserve any credit. The credit belongs to you. You are the church. So thank you for being that kind of church. Pat your, You can do it. Go ahead and pat yourself on the back. Good job. And continue to be that kind of church. Well, we're halfway through our summer sermon series. It's called Jesus Asks. Each week of this series, we're taking a question that Jesus asked then, and we're making that question personal to us now. And today we're going to consider a question that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago to two blind men. He looked at them and he said, do you believe I am able? But before we consider that question, let's pray to our God who is able. Father, we believe, but Father, we also pray that you will help us in our unbelief. Father, we know that you are able, but oftentimes we don't act as if we truly believe that you are able. Father, give us a stronger faith, a stronger belief. And Father, help us to be able to honestly answer like these two blind men did 2,000 years ago. Yes, we believe. Father, we pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Do you believe... I am able. That's a great question, isn't it? Do you believe I am able cuts right to the heart of faith, doesn't it? You know, one of the saddest days in any dad's life is when his children no longer believe that he is able. When your child no longer believes that you're able to lift the heaviest load, when they no longer believe that you're able to solve the most complex problem, when they no longer believe that you're able to climb the highest mountain or tell the funniest joke or to protect them from any danger. It's a sad day when your children are no longer sure and certain that you are able to do anything, that you're able to do everything. 
And that's what faith is, isn't it? It's being sure and certain that someone or something is able. The writer of Hebrews put it this way in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. He says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, many of you here are old like me. You probably memorized that verse out of the King James Version. In fact, I bet there's a bunch of people here who can recite that verse out of the King James Version. So we're going to try and see if my theory holds up. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Very good. The evidence of things not seen. That's the way I learned it growing up. I think I like the NIV version better. Faith is being sure in our hope. It's being certain of what we haven't seen. Faith believes that Jesus is able. And Jesus asked today's question, do you believe I am able, right after two remarkable demonstrations of that kind of faith, of sure and certain faith. So listen to this, and you'll hear what sure and certain faith is, what it looks like. Here are what people who believe that Jesus is able act like. Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Well, Jesus was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. And just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Well, when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away. The girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. And after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. And news of this spread through that entire region. That's sure and certain faith, isn't it? Two people full of faith. Two people sure and certain that Jesus is able First, it's the ruler. He's sure and certain that Jesus is able to bring his daughter back to life. If you will just put your hand on her, if you will just touch her, she will live. And the woman, she is sure and certain that Jesus is able to stop her bleeding. If I just touch him, then I will be healed. And their faith is rewarded. The girl is brought to life. The bleeding stops. And not surprisingly, news like that spreads quickly. It spreads quickly throughout the region. And there are two people in particular who are especially interested to hear about what Jesus has done. It's 
So we pick up the story in verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, on from the house where the girl was brought to life, as he went on from there, two blind men followed Jesus, and they were calling out, Have mercy on us, O son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith will it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Well, I don't want us to rush through this scene. Let's try to get a really good picture in our minds of what's going on in this scene. First, with a touch of Jesus' cloak, a woman is healed. And then with a touch of Jesus' hand, a girl is brought to life. And the news of those miracles spreads. And the news of the miracles brought hope to the hopeless. And it brought hope to two blind men. Men who really had no reason to hope. They had no reason to hope until they heard about Jesus and they heard about the power of his touch. And so they followed. But they're blind. So following couldn't have been easy. I'm not sure exactly how that worked. Maybe they had friends or family who helped them along. Maybe they just asked a lot of questions about where Jesus was going so they could follow along. Maybe there was such a commotion around Jesus that they could just follow the sounds of Jesus. But whatever it took, they followed. But they didn't follow quietly. As they followed, they called out, Have mercy on us, son of David. It's like they're yelling out to Jesus, Hey, how about us? Or, hey, notice us. Look over here. They're desperate for Jesus' attention. They're desperate for his touch. They're desperate for his healing. And once they catch up with Jesus, and once they have his attention, and just as we're expecting Jesus to heal the blind men, he stops and he asks them an unexpected question. Do you believe that I am able to do this? At first, that kind of sounds like a rhetorical question, doesn't it? It's a question with an obvious answer. Of course we believe. Isn't it obvious we believe? We heard what you did, and we've been chasing after you, and we've been calling out to you, and now we are here. Of course we believe you're able to do this. But Jesus isn't asking a rhetorical question. Jesus is fully expecting an answer. He's expecting an answer about you, and he's expecting an answer about this. He's expecting an answer about you. So he says, do you believe? You see, Faith, true faith, sure and certain faith is personal. It isn't about what anybody else believes, it's about what you believe. And he's also expecting an answer about this. Do you believe I am able to do this? You see, faith, true faith, 
sure and certain faith. It deals with the here and now. True faith isn't about what happened there and then. True faith is what you believe will happen here. What will happen now. It's obvious these two men have faith. We might call it blind faith or maybe more correctly we'd call it faith of the blind. They had faith that caused them to pursue Jesus. They had faith that led them to call out to Jesus. They had faith that persisted until they finally came face to face with Jesus. They had faith we should all emulate. Faith that pursues and calls out and persists. So with that kind of faith, why does Jesus ask them this seemingly odd question? Do you believe I am able to do this? Why does he question their faith when they've been persistently pursuing him and calling out to him? Jesus asked the question because healing and saving faith does more than pursue. It does more than call out. It does more than persist. See, healing and saving faith believes. It believes that Jesus is able to do this is able to do this here and now. Healing and saving faith says, I not only believe you stopped the bleeding and restored the life there and then, I also believe you're able to restore my sight here and now. See, healing and saving faith is personal. It's here and now faith. So Jesus asked this question to help draw the important faith distinctions between this and that and between them and me. See, for the blind men, it doesn't really matter if they believe that Jesus stopped the bleeding and if they believe that Jesus brought the girl back to life. What really matters to Jesus right now is that they believe he is able to do this. That he is able to do their this, that he's able to bring sight to their blind eyes here and now. So Jesus asked, do you believe that I am able to do this? And I don't know about you, but that question resonates with me personally. It resonates with me here and now. See, Jesus is also asking us, do you believe that I am able to do this? And I want us to confront this question here and now. You see, we can believe, we can have faith that Jesus did that. That he healed the sick. That he fed the crowds, that he calmed the storm, that he raised the dead, that he himself rose from the dead. We can believe he did all of that without truly believing that he is able to do this, to do my this here and now. And it really didn't matter if the blind men believed that Jesus was able to do that for them that he was able to heal the blind woman and bring life to the girl. That really didn't matter if they didn't have faith that he was able to do their this for them. And you know, we can believe. 
we can have faith that Jesus did that for them. We can believe that Jesus brought healing for hurting people back in the first century. Or we can even have faith that Jesus has brought healing to our brother's relationship. Or faith that he brought strength to our sister's addiction. Or faith that he brought transformation in the life of our brother. Or faith that he brought salvation to our sister. We can believe that Jesus did that for them without truly believing that he's able to bring healing and strength and transformation and salvation for me. So Jesus is asking us this morning, do you believe that I am able to do this here and now for you? Jesus asked that question because healing and saving faith is personal here and now faith. So let me ask you a very personal here and now question. What is your this? What is your this? What is the one thing in your life, here and now, or the one thing in the life of your loved one, here and now, that you know can only be dealt with through the power of Jesus? What is your this? Maybe your this is a broken relationship. Maybe your this is an addiction. Maybe your this is sin in your past that you're afraid can't ever be forgiven. Maybe your this is a child who has turned from God and you're not sure that they can ever find their way back. What is your this? Let me ask you another personal here and now question. Do you believe you're this? Do you believe that you're this or your loved one's this is exceptional? Do you believe that it's the exception? Or to put it another way, do you believe your this is hopeless? Do you believe that your child's heart is too hard to ever be turned back to God? Do you believe that Jesus, the Jesus who stopped the bleeding and brought the girl back to life and gave sight to the blind, do you believe that Jesus can soften other hearts but can't soften your child's heart? Or do you believe that your sin is just too great to be forgiven? Do you believe that Jesus, the Jesus who forgave Peter's denials and forgave Paul's persecutions, do you believe that Jesus can forgive other people's sins but not forgive your sins? Or maybe you believe that your past is just simply too dirty, too vile to ever be welcomed in the presence of God. Do you believe that Jesus, the Jesus who is a friend to tax collectors and a friend to prostitutes and a friend to sinners, do you believe that Jesus can reconcile other people to God? But he can't reconcile you to God because your past is just too vile. Do you believe your this is hopeless? 
you believe that Jesus is unable to do your this? You see, I'm convinced that that's a tragedy in many of our lives. The tragedy is that we have faith, but we don't have personal here and now faith. We know what Jesus did then. I mean, we have Bible reading challenges, right? We read our Bibles. We know what he did then. And obviously, we follow after him. We're here today in church. We come to church services. And I know that we call out to him. I heard us singing the songs. I heard us praying the prayers. But the tragedy is, oftentimes we do those things without really believing that Jesus is able to deal with our this, here and now. And there can be lots of reasons for that. Sometimes our faith problem is that we have a doubting Thomas problem. Since we didn't actually physically see Jesus' signs and wonders from then with our own eyes, it's natural for us to have doubts that he's able to bring his power to our this, here and now. That doubt is understandable. When Jesus showed Thomas his wounds, he recognized the challenge that there is in believing without seeing. And so after Thomas saw and believed, Jesus said, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. There's another personal here and now question. Do you believe that Jesus is able to do your this even though you didn't see him do that? Or maybe your faith problem is even more personal. Maybe you've had this experience. You have followed Jesus. You have called out to Jesus. You have brought your this to Jesus. You've asked for healing. You've asked for reconciliation. You've asked for freedom. You've asked for a softened and yielding heart. And healing, reconciliation, freedom, or softening... That hasn't happened. And now you doubt. You doubt that he is able to do this because he hasn't done that in your own life. And I want you to know that I'm not preaching at you because I have these doubts. In fact, I suspect that almost all of us have these doubts. I wish I could honestly say that my faith is always like the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Every time I read that scripture as we read it earlier on, I'm amazed at their faith. They were so sure and certain that God is able to do their this, that they were able to say to King Nebuchadnezzar, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we save is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But listen to this. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I'm in awe of that kind of sure and certain faith. 
And I wish I could honestly say that I'm always like Habakkuk. Always able to affirm that even though God doesn't do my this, even though God doesn't do things the way I want him to do, I will never doubt that he is able. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk has this fascinating conversation back and forth with God. Habakkuk points out the sin of Israel and he calls on God to do something about it. And God says, oh, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to send the Babylonians to do something about it. And Habakkuk throws his hands in the air and says, no, no, not the Babylonians. They're even worse than Israel. And God explains to Habakkuk that Habakkuk can't understand God's plans and purposes. And Habakkuk responds this way. He says, though the fig tree does not bud... And there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. I'm in awe of that sure and certain faith. And I'm in awe because I have doubts. And I suspect you may too. But I want you to know that our doubts don't have to define us. Thomas didn't stay doubting Thomas. He became believing Thomas. Peter went from doubting denials in the courtyard to the power of Pentecost. Standing boldly before people proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. How about James? James went from doubting his brother Jesus' sanity to becoming a leading voice in his brother Jesus' church. We can't forget Paul. Paul went from being sure and certain that Jesus was a fraud to being sure and certain that Jesus was the Son of God. You see, like Thomas and Peter and James and Paul, our doubts don't have to be our destiny. Our doubts don't have to be our destiny if we'll follow the path of these two blind men. If we'll follow Jesus, if we'll call out to Jesus, and then if we will meet Jesus face to face. And that's why we're constantly encouraging. Sometimes it may sound like nagging. We're constantly encouraging everyone to come together like this. Because when we come together and worship together and have communion together and have fellowship together, we come face to face with Jesus. And that's why we strive to be praying people That's why we strive to be a praying church. Because when we're in prayer, when we're in communication with our God, we come face to face with Jesus. That's why we make such a big deal about being immersed in God's word. Because when we are immersed in God's word, we come face to face with Jesus. And it's when we come face to face with Jesus that our doubts are answered and they're transformed into faith. Personal, here and now faith. Because once we truly believe that he did that, 
And once we truly believe that he's still working for our this, then we can believe that he is able to do our this. John said this about coming face to face with Jesus in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 30. He said, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, we come face to face with the miracles of Jesus, so we will believe that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the all-powerful Son of God. And when we come face to face with Jesus, we emerge believing that we will have life in the name of the one who is able was able to do our this. See, when we come face to face with Jesus, we're coming face to face with the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. And when we're face to face with the one with the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, we come away from that believing. We come away from it sure and certain that he is the resurrection. He is the life. When we come face to face with the one who raised Lazarus from the dead, when we come face to face with Jesus, we come away sure and certain that our belief in him, our sure and certain belief will bring us life even when we die. Because when we come face to face with Jesus, we emerge believing sure and certain that whoever lives and believes in Jesus will never die. So brothers and sisters, let's come face to face with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. Father, help us to know that our doubts are not our destiny, that Jesus is our destiny. And Father, we marvel at your power, the power that calmed the storm, that fed the crowds, that healed the sick, that gave sight to the blind, that brought life to the dead, that raised Jesus from the tomb. And Father, because you did that, we believe you can do this here and now. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. Amen. Well, we came together this morning so that we could come face to face with Jesus. And this morning as we end, let's affirm that our doubts are not our destiny. Let's affirm that Jesus is our destiny. Let's affirm that we know who we believe. And we affirm that he is able. Let's stand and sing to the one who is able.